welcome to Symphony of Sound, where we're blending God's word into the very rhythm of life. Today is Sunday, fifth Sunday, Speak Life, an afternoon where we will share music from vocalists or musicians or poets. And today, I'm excited to introduce my guest, Mr. Michael L. Jones, drummer extraordinaire, a phenomenal, anointed, and gifted musician who will share some time with us today. Michael, how are you doing? Oh, Sister Lynn, I'm doing just great, being blessed that uh, you get up every morning and uh, you are ready to be glad and rejoice in the name of the Lord. Amen, amen. Mm -hmm. I like the sound of that. And there is nothing like a person who knows exactly what to be glad about. And so I'm excited because you have a gift of the drum that you are going to be sharing with us today. But before we hear from the master himself, just give us a little background about Michael Jones and how he got started into music. Well, it started with um, my parents and it started with church. And I was probably about mm, seven or eight years of age there. And my dad uh, was a Baptist and my mom was a Pentecostal Church of God in Christ. So we went to church, two churches every Sunday. And two two churches, we'd go to the 11 o'clock service, Baptist, and then when it was over, we went over to my mom's church. And and so we had a busy Sunday and uh, the cute thing was my dad always after church, in order to calm all us brothers down, he'd take us over to the Purity Ice Cream and get us an ice cream comb every Sunday. <laughs> so okay, I, you said brothers, how many? Uh, this was the Joneses, so it would have been two brothers, one, um, uh, Freddie and, and Ronnie. Uh, they're each one year uh, under me. I'm okay. the oldest, okay. And um, my dad, Fred T. Jones, was an organist at uh, Central Baptist Church here in Denver. So uh, uh, sang in the choir at the Holy Trinity Church. It was always just fascinating for me to listen to the church music. And I have to say, especially when I, with uh, no pun intended about the Baptist, but when I went to the Pentecostal church, you know, they're they're very charismatic and they really, as I used to call it, uh, the music was pumping and jumping. (laughs) So (laughs) that led me to, I was actually first, Dad gave me an accordion, put me on a program way back called the Ted Mac Amateur Hour, and I was featured with my little accordion. So that got me started with the keyboard and Mm -hmm. getting interested in music through the accordion. Uh, But then um, as I got to be a teenager and everything, um, you know, I was uh, listening to all the top 40 and everything, and I got interested in the guitar. And so my dad bought me a guitar and for many, many years from my early teen junior high, um, practically all the way through high school, I was playing with the R&B groups and I was Mm -hmm. the lead and rhythm guitar player. And I guess we were good enough that we were able to be featured with some of the the, uh, artists that were uh, out on the circuit, Isaac Hayes and um, 
believe we played with the Dells, group called the Dells. Anyway, but then, um, and I, I loved the guitar then. So I was uh, played rhythm and lead. And uh, so then as I um, noticed that uh, in my group that the drummer was late one day, so I jumped on the drums <laughs> and I went, oh, wow, I like this, <laughs> you know? So um, that was the beginning of my drumming. So I was probably around about 13 or 14 then, maybe 15. And it allowed me to get interested in uh, going and finding a good instructor. Mm -hmm. So I started taking uh, instructions from a couple of really, really good instructors here in Denver. Training and I is awesome. Yeah, training is good. And I stayed with them. And then um, I, uh, this was the most important part. Then all of a sudden, the Lord stepped into my life. Mm-hmm. And he knocked on the door and said, Michael. <laughs> and I said, is that you, Lord? <laughs> and so from that point on, uh, I became a Christian and gave my life to Christ. And so that essentially led to uh, start to playing in the church. And I, so I started in a Catholic, Catholic church, but it was a um, sort of a multicultural church so that a lot of the songs were the songs that were known as the black gospel songs. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. so I started playing drums. And from that point on, I just stayed with the drums and, and became a love of percussion and got involved with African Cuban groups, uh, just watching them and watching Latin groups and watching black gospel groups. And then my, my desire to learn percussion, I just, be, you know, I just stuck with it and really put my whole heart and soul in there. Remembering, remembering that it was a gift that God gave me. So all the things that I did with my drumming was for the praise to God. Excellent. Excellent. Well, now that was, that was awesome. You had a very, very extensive background in, in music with it being all around you and in you. And then you even taking the step to get formal training. This Mm -hmm. is going to be exciting. So Symphony of Sound listening audience, get ready for a nice history of the drum by Mr. Michael Jones and a demonstration of his gift, his technique, and his art. Listen in. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I am going to uh, give a brief little history on the uh, origin of the drums uh, from the beginning as I studied this history. And uh, I'm going to be more leaning toward the African culture and the African drums, although there's many drums around the world. It was uh, really kind of widely believed that the djembe, which is the one I'll concentrate more on, was uh, part of the origin of that was in the Numu. That's the name of the social group, uh, professional blacksmiths from the Mandinka area people in West Africa. And they sort of believe that that might be the the origin of it. Let me give you uh, a brief timeline of the original drum up until modern day now. And so what I have uh, found out just recently and trying to remember, let's go back to 5500 BC, first recording where appeared drums were made by alligator skins. Yeah. And they were really originally made in the Neolithic cultures. 
of China. However, while they were doing that, Africa was also having their drums come about. Um, but it, you'll find out that Africa was the original first drums. So then around about 3000 BC, the uh, bronze dong son drums were made in uh, northern Vietnam. 500 to 1000 BC, the Sri Lanka area, those African people used drums really as communication. We'll be talking more about how important drums are in communication. So around about 500 BC, the taco drum arrived in China from Japan. And uh, then as we reached around about 200 BC, African drums were widespread in Greece and in Rome. And the fact that they were there, believe it or not, it brought uh, incredible wealth to the Venice and the Genoa areas um, in spreading out uh, through the Middle East and African India and African influences all over Europe, African influence. Around about 1450, large expansions of various percussion instruments uh, were, were brought in. And the reason why I say that is because we'll find out that there are just a thousand types of percussion now that range from jingles and chimes and everything that is part of the percussion. So around about 1500, African drums arrived in America via the slave trade. That's how that happened. And the most popular percussion instrument, uh, some of the most popular ones was the timbrels, the tabor, the long drums, and listen, uh, drummers, the snare. And monk bells, and there we go, and jingle bells is what I remember. Okay, 1650, creation of the first version of the snare drum, most popular instrument uh, drum for any drummer. And uh, then in 1800, uh, here comes the little Latin area there. The bongos in the Cuban folklore and music was very popular, had come about. It uh, seemed that the most popular percussion instruments by, by 1820 was the kettle drum, the snare, the gong, the vibraphone, triangles, marimbas, tambourines, my friends. And professional musicians and composers perform these and use these instruments. So we're getting close to modern times now. And then about 1890, the first appearance of drums that uh, had a foot pedal on the drum set. The Africans used to tie different types of percussion around their ankles and then stomp their feet. And that was a form similar to the foot pedal that was invented here. And then first regular hi-hat appearance that's in their drum kit, regular drum set, came around about the, the 1920s. That is a unit that it uh, has two cymbals that are mounted horizontally, but they clash up and down together. And the movement is done by the foot pedal with a spring that keeps them apart until you press down on the pedal. You probably have seen this before. And um, then by the jumping up to a row, maybe 1960 through maybe the 80s, the first drum set became, and they were large, elaborate drum set kits. And there's a musician by the name of Terry Bozio. He had a drum set on stage one time when I attended his concert. And I'm telling you, it looked like a spaceship, <laughs> okay? There was over 35 or 40 drums surrounding him in his drum kit. And uh, then by 1973, here comes modern times, there was the appearance of the first simple electronic drum set, or they call them V-drums, okay? Uh, made by Carl Bartos. Uh, and then of course, uh, in 1982, there was several different techniques and blast beats that came from out of that. 
Then, of course, finally, uh, in the 2000s, uh, all the instruments and drums have become so elaborate that I could spend all day uh, explaining it to you there. The uh, congas and the African drums are going to be related more to there. So what are the different kind of African hand drums that came about? Well, uh, the djembe was the most important one. And then there was a very popular drum by the, went by the name Sabar, S-A-B-A-R. And one thing that made this unique in African drumming, that it was played with a hand and a stick. And you see that a lot in some of the dances with the uh, uh, villagers dancing. Uh, the, the skin was made, it was a goat skin head that attached to with strings or pegs. And you could pull on the pegs and strings and that would change the tone. That save our drum was used to communicate from village to village over real considerate, considered distances like 9.3 miles. You could hear. Now remember in, in African things, there were no cities around and cars and honking horn. So you could hear drums in the horizon area from great distances. And that was the way they communicated uh, between villages. And uh, of course, you'll also know that uh, um, modern man uh, used the drums too in, in early war to pass on messages to the front line and stuff where uh, your component, your enemy could not decipher the drum beats and everything. So they were used as war drums also. And then finally, there is the frame drum. Uh, frame drums are, uh, we're getting to the Middle East and European and India. There was a drum called a tar. Now this tar will look like a, just a big old loop drum with the skin across it. You know, could be, oh, maybe even a foot and a half in diameter, but you held it in your hand like a tambourine and you beat with your hand or with a, with a, uh, um, softball stick and um, it had a goat skin also across it. Um, it was used a lot in India and Europe and things with their classical and folk and temporary music. It was a very versatile drum. The, the familiar drum that began to sound like that, there was al also the, um, um, I would say the Indian drums uh, kind of looked similar the same way you, uh, had those and it uh, it it would actually uh, have a bass drum and, and all the native Indians would gather around and they would beat this drum. And of course you would hear things like. same type but it was a larger bass drum that they set around and uh, uh, played with and so then it uh, it's another form of the the frame drums that were there there uh, uh, was back in Africa I had jumped back again they also had a dr had drums that were called talking drums and it was kind of like it looked kind of really like a little baby djembe but uh, it had the ropes tied all the way around the top of the skin to the bottom of the, of the drum. And uh, there was air in between where the ropes come down. You put it between your arms and when you would squeeze with your arm against your body, 
when, while playing the drum, the tone of the drum would change because you were tightening or loose or letting the skin lay loose like it is. So really, um, I could go on and on and on with more, but there were so many different kind of drums in there. So the original uh, um, djembe drum, and we're gonna have a demonstration eventually later, but it's, it's, uh, this, it's the drum that kind of sounds like this. Anyway, so we'll get a demonstration on that in just a little bit. But the origin of the uh, djembe drum uh, was back in West Africa, and it was quite a while back, but and then they said that it was like a goblet-shaped drum, uh, and uh, the diameter at the top of the head was around anywhere from 11 to 14 inches, 24 inches high, and um, it uh, usually had a goat or a cow skin also. And the origin of it was when I mentioned the blacksmiths, the Numu, and the blacksmiths of the Malinke, people of New Guinea, that's where they thought it originally started, where the, the drum came. Now, culturally in Africa, this drum and many of the other percussion drums, wow, they, they, um, they were responsible for a, a real intrinsic communication part in the life of, of the African storytellers, healers, and uh, instruments uh, played for dances, for social occasions, and uh, such as births and funerals, marriages, and rites of passage and planting and harvesting of their crops and everything, song and dance and rhythm. So it, uh, they were used, uh, the djembe and uh, quite a bit of those for all those different things. And the congas were in there. And also the large two uh, floor type stand sitting drums that um, you see a lot in the Latin culture and everything. It was ditto for the Latin people with communications and things. So then there was finally the Mid-Eastern Europe and uh, India and things like that, where they, they had their drums and they had their ability to communicate with various different drums. One of the drums uh, was called a dumbek, and uh, it was known uh, for being like a classical goblet drum also, but... Today, they're made out of metal and spun aluminum and things like that. And playing techniques can be extremely advanced in a lot of these type of drums with the Indian culture and with the uh, Latin things. Um, you, you play drums not only with just a, a, a mallet or a stick or something, but uh, with your fingers and rolls and snaps and pops with your fingers. So percussion expanded immensely when we did all those things. So up until nowadays now we have the uh the drum kit that uh is used for jazz latin orchestra musicals and things and when we have different cultures the other drums come in the congas the bongos the timbales and various type of drums i just love them all and folks there's at least uh, over 800 or a thousand pieces of percussion in the world on this planet and there's probably more now the oldest drum ever known was called an Akan, A-K-A-N drum. And uh, this drum was made in West Africa and was later found in the colonies of Virginia and in North America and is now the oldest African-American object. And somehow it ended up being placed in the British Museum and everything. Uh, but this, it was made of two species of wood 
and that are native of the um, Sahara African area. And the lat uh, had a fine hardwood grain to it, known for its ability to be carved and have great resonance when you do it. And the drum skin was mm, deer hide or stretch over a wooden structure or something. And being the oldest drum, the 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 um, where you would see the ropes and things, it was a vegetable fiber that they used. So this oldest drum from Africa. Uh, it was in 2010, they called it the Africa to America drumming slavery music. And um, the collision of cultures and things, this drum would be used to speak through. And believe it or not, I was told that this drum on down the line, as you see the patterns of, of, of drumming, that it uh, from that even led up to jazz and rock and roll. Uh, when it was uh, the slave owners uh, had brought this, had that drum kit or the uh, Aiken drums, they were uh, unsure how to handle that African music and they used to forbid it in plantations. But um, we steadfast, we use our drums for our emotional things, for um, spiritual and everything. And so we we kept on steadfast and, and I'm very proud of it. Okay, so um, what I would like to do is start with my first demonstration, which will be a bongo. And um, on all of, on these three instruments, the bongos, djembe uh, for tim, timbales and a drum kit, um, uh, except for the drum kit, I will play a background to enhance the instrument that I'm playing. You could hear a bongo. But um, in most cases where bongos or any of, any of these instruments playing, you had other groups playing along with you. So I'm going to do that. And uh, let's start, um, let's start uh, right away with the bongo. So here we go. One, two, three, four. Timbales are uh, normally played with a cowbell, and it'll go something like this. And then uh, the uh, djembe which is the one with the, uh, for me, I like, cause it's the, it's the true African feeling beat with this one here. And it goes a little something like this. Let's go over to the trap set, the drums, and uh, 
This is where we have the full set of drums, kick drum, hi-hat, snare, and uh, we'll use one ride cymbal. And let's start, I like to say that this is in the, in the modern times, that this is where you get a lot of the black gospel, jazz, and also Latin ones. Something like this would come across. The black gospel. And then a uh, shout and praise two four beat. So, um, many, many, many other uh, drum beats that uh, can come off of the, the drum kit. And I could uh, sit here for half an hour or so going over different kinds of grooves that we get with that. But just think when you combine all of these together and you have a, a good band or orchestra and bass being the base of the song, and then your rhythm. Your rhythm is so important because it keeps the timing in the song. And piano players normally uh, will learn with a metronome. So let me, since I'm learning keyboard and uh, I have a song that I have learned, it's a gospel song, My Soul's Anchored in the Lord. And I just want to give you a couple of phrases, a couple of bars of it. And uh, then uh, we will have to bring it to an end here. And it goes kind of something like this. Though the storm keeps on raging in my life, and sometimes it's hard to tell my night from day. That lies within is reassured as I keep my eyes upon the distant shore. I know he'll lead me safely to that blessed place he has prepared. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. May God bless you and leave you with tremendous blessings. Thank you.